I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. The anathema of God was for those who denied justification by faith alone. When that is at stake, we need to be on the battlefield exposing the air and combating the air. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Reform on the radio, you know, we are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you, and men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to, Blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. All right. I want to welcome everybody back to Semper Reformanda Radio. We have taken a few weeks leave. I think uh, some people were noticing that we weren't putting out episodes every Wednesday like we should have. But, uh, you know, it is it is just really, really busy right now. I was supposed to record a couple of episodes with Tim Kaufman, and that didn't that didn't happen. And uh, then I was going to try to put something together at the last minute, and that didn't happen. So I am very grateful for today's episode. It was put together at the last minute, but I am super excited about our guest. We've got Ryan Denton. He's going to be coming on a little bit later. Uh, but first, let me introduce our co-host Carlos Montijo. He is here with us and uh, he's busy as well. So Carlos, I just want to say thank you for joining me tonight and I want to ask you, how's everything going with you? Hey Tim, it's good to be back on the show. Um, yeah, like you said, we've all got a busy season right now and uh, so pretty piece of exciting news for us is that we recently found out that we're having twins. So that's a that's a major exciting uh, plan that the Lord has for us in the near future. So we're looking forward to that. And um, my participation may be limited uh, in the near future because of that. But I'm um, looking forward to participating in whenever I have the time. So it's good to be here. It's good to be with you all. And we have a really, really good episode lined up. So stay tuned. Yeah, and uh, so Carlos, you already have two kids, and so this makes four. How how you feeling, man? Yeah, uh, twin girls. So the it's funny because a coworker joked was joking around saying that well you're gonna have to change from man to man to zone coverage now because you're outnumbered. So <laughs> we're 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 starting to come up with a a, a battle plan. Well, that's uh, that's really awesome to hear, man. We are our, our prayers are are with you guys. We love you and Shay, and uh, man, I'm just I'm so excited for you guys. Uh, so you know, you you mentioned that it's a busy season, and you know, 
I think with uh, the holidays coming up, we are just jam-packed with stuff to do. I, at work, I've got a bunch of training that I need to do, and uh, I'm trying to catch up on that. And then we're just trying to get through the holidays. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to take the opportunity to uh, give a shout-out to another podcast, Shine as Lights. Man, Adam Staub, you are... You are a brave man. Uh, Adam Staub recently did an episode on Santa Claus. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Santa Claus and uh, just uh, what we think about that. But if you would like a really good, I think, critique of Santa Claus, I would recommend Shina's Lights. I think it came out last week, if not the week before. It's a Santa Claus episode, so it's easy to find and it's very recent. Kudos to you, Adam. Uh, you know, Adam did another. Adam and I actually have like a lot of the same convictions. Uh, he did an episode on on homeschooling, and that was another great episode. So uh, he did that with Len Pettis, and Len Pettis and his wife actually do classical conversations, which is what my wife and I are doing. And uh, we've found that it's a it's a really good program, and uh, you know I think they had a lot of good stuff to say in that episode. So if you guys uh, want to check those episodes out, I think they're great. I, uh, Adam is obviously beating me to the punch on some of these issues because we still haven't talked about homeschooling. I know Carlos is is wanting to do that. I know uh, Joseph, our other co-host, is wanting to do that. Um, so or he, I think he is doing that with with uh, with his kids. So we're going to have to pick that topic up in the future. We do have some things to say on that. But tonight I want to talk about Santa. And Carlos, let me ask you, do you guys celebrate Santa and put out milk and cookies and tell the kids that if they're good, they'll get presents? And uh, then in the, in the morning, you know, the milk and cookies are eaten and there's a, a couple of little crumbs on the plate and you tell the kids, oh, you know, Santa came and brought you presents do you guys do all that stuff yeah the answer yeah it's a big fat jolly no um we don't do uh santa we we covered this a little bit in our halloween episode about a year ago last halloween uh and basically you know santa is just a sort of a pagan imposter replacement for god and uh, I don't see why I would want to give him any credit for the presidents that I bought for my kids. So uh, we don't have anything to do with Santa. But we still celebrate Christmas and Christ's birth because that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I'm wondering, I mean, you might be a little bit more um, extreme than than me. Um Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you maybe you would agree with my position. I'll, I'll go ahead and share where we're at with Santa. We do not do Santa. And I know that even just saying that, some people might think, well, wait a minute, that's a little bit hypocritical. Because a lot of the listeners have sent me friend requests on Facebook. And uh, I my wife tags me in all of our family stuff, all of our family pictures. Uh, a lot of times I'm at work and she'll post something and she'll tag me. And uh, you might have noticed that this year we went and took pictures with Santa. Well, so a number of years ago when my wife and I got married, we 
didn't even think about Santa. It was, I mean, we're, we're adults, you know, we're not, we both knew that Santa's not real and we just bought each other gifts and you know, that was it. But then when we had kids, we had to, we had to deal with this issue and we decided we are not going to do Santa. And growing up, Santa was a really, really big part of my childhood. My dad, he, uh, he actually has nine brothers and sisters and his, uh, his dad wasn't in the picture a lot. And my dad's birthday is actually December 24th. So every year we would celebrate my dad's birthday and Christmas. And I think, you know, my dad's mom, my grandma, she had to raise nine kids uh, for part of their childhood uh, by herself. And they didn't have a lot of stuff. And so when my dad had kids, uh, my sister and I, he really wanted to make Christmas special and they would, they would do the Santa thing. And for years as a kid, I, I mean, I believed in Santa and, um, I realized for myself that when I was a kid, that Santa was more exciting than Jesus. And when I was a kid that my focus was, was really drawn to Santa and the presents and stuff like that. And so I didn't want that to I, I didn't want that to affect my kids the way that um, the way that it affected me. And when we told my family that we weren't going to do Santa, it really it was really hard for my dad to take that. Um, he was very disappointed. And uh, I mean, he respects us, you know, it's, it's our family. It's, we're going to do what we want to do, but he was just really having a hard time with it because, you know, as, as kids, we would write letters to Santa and, uh, and it was a whole big ordeal and, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun for him. And so now it's like, well, so they're not going to write letters to Santa and you're just going to tell them that, you know, the presents come from you. And we were, yeah, you know, basically, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do. And so what we, what we decided was we're just going to tell our kids about Santa, you know, about that he's a pretend character. And uh, we've, we've gone twice to the mall to take pictures, to send the pictures out as Christmas cards to the family. Now, my oldest he looks at it as basically the same way that a kid would look at, you know, an older kid would look at going to Disneyland and seeing their favorite character dressed up. And it's like, you know, they, they don't really believe that that's Mickey Mouse or they don't really believe that that's Pluto. You know, he's old enough to recognize that's a character and, uh, and he has a lot of fun with the idea of, of Christmas. And so when we take pictures at the mall, it's, it's basically, you know, he knows it's a, it's a character. And so what I decided to do was I decided to interview Liam, my kid, my oldest kid to really just kind of illustrate for people out there that look, you don't, I think a lot of parents feel that if, if I tell my kids that Santa's not real, that that's going to somehow take away the the fun in receiving gifts. And I just want to submit that I, I really think that as parents, we should be honest with our kids and tell them the truth. And I, I wanted to interview my oldest to really just illustrate that, you know, they can have fun and 
realize that, hey, this is about Jesus. Um, here's our motivation for giving gifts. This is why we do this, the things that we do. And by the way, Santa's not real, and we're going to, you know, your mom and dad are going to buy you gifts. So let me just go ahead and play this interview. And then, uh, Carlos, you can let me know what you think about it. Um, you can uh, give me some commentary. Have you, have you by any chance listened to this yet, Carlos? I have, yeah. Smart okay. kid. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So this is Liam Patrick Shaughnessy, and the interview is a couple of minutes long, okay? All right, everybody. I am here with a very, very special guest. I love this guy with all of my heart. Uh, so I am here with Liam Patrick Shaughnessy. Liam, tell everybody how old you are. I'm five. You're five years old? That's so old. You're so old. You know that? All right, so Liam, what is the chief end of man? Um, you got Here, you got to get up into the microphone. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's right. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And one of the ways that we can do that is around the holidays and the way that we celebrate holidays. So, Liam, what holiday is coming up? Um, Christmas. That's right, Christmas. And why do we celebrate Christmas? Um, because Jesus has a birthday. That's right. Jesus was born, and he was, uh, he was born a long, long time ago. And we don't really know what his birthday was, but it's the day that we choose to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And why, why do you think Jesus came into the world? Because he's the light of the world. Right, but he came into the world to save us, right? Mm -hmm. So what other, what other name or character is associated with Christmas? Mm, the snowman. And... The snowman, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, who else? Um, you went to see him at the mall. Santa Claus. And... That's right. So did you get your picture taken with Santa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what can you tell me about Santa? Um, he likes to bring presents and put it under the tree. Okay, that's how the story goes. Is he is he real or is he a is he a real person? He, no, he's just pretend. Right. The Santa Claus that a lot of people take their pictures with, he's not he's not he's just a pretend character, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and is Jesus a pretend character? No. That's right. Jesus, Jesus is real. That's right. He is real. So what are some of the things we do around Christmas? Uh, we get to put Christmas lights and make Christmas cookies and uh, decorate our Christmas tree. That's right. So let me ask you, why do we put up Christmas lights? Because God is the one light of the world. That's right. So our family, we put up Christmas lights to tell everybody that Jesus is the light of the world. So on Christmas Eve, the story goes that Santa comes and he gives you presents. But who really gives you your presents? Your, your mom and dad. That's right. And why do we give presents? Um, because we love each other. Right, and who else gave us a gift? Jesus. 
God. He gave us Jesus as a gift. He gave us the gift of salvation. So let me ask you this. Do you have to work for a gift? Or do you give a gift to somebody because you love them? You give a gift because you love them. That's right. So you don't have to work for a gift. You can't earn it. And so the Bible says that salvation is a gift from God. And we don't earn it. But if we believe in Jesus Christ, that we can go to heaven and be with God forever. Is that something you believe? Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I believe it too. And I'm very glad that you believe it. So we, we need to always try to be honest with each other and, and tell each other the truth. And that's why this year we're going to get you some, some Christmas presents because mom and dad love you very, very much. And we want to show God's love to you. And also in December you'll give me a little gift every time, right? <laughs> no, no, you're not getting a gift every day. Uh, but you will get a gift. You will get some gifts on Christmas Eve. So what do you want for Christmas this year? Um, Legos. You want some Legos? All right, we can. right, I'll talk to Mom and, and we'll see if we can go to the store and buy you some Legos. But you know what? We're going to wrap them up in a gift, and we're not going to tell you what we're getting you because it's going to be a surprise. Does that sound like fun? Mm-hmm. So, hey, Liam, what do you what do you want to tell everybody out there? Do you want to tell them Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. From Liam and Tim. All right, guys. What about this? What? Have a good Christmas day. Have a good Christmas day, too. That works, too. Have and, a good uh, Christmas day. And remember, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, buddy. Love you. Okay, so that was uh, that was Liam, and uh, it's funny because since I recorded that, he's been asking me, can can I uh, can I come on your show and can I can I talk into the microphone? <laughs> uh, so he's he's been such a blast, and uh, so Carlos, what I mean, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, uh, he's definitely a smart kid. He's very uh, discerning. That's a very discerning kid. Uh, but of course the the real credit goes to the parents. The parents are the ones responsible for instructing their kids. And um, I think that's good. And the way, the way I'm going to explain it to our kids basically is to not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so the main reason I say that is because I think the biggest hindrance to what Christmas is truly about is the whole myth of Santa and so I, I would just basically explain that the real Santa, who was a, a faithful man of God, would be revolting in his grave if he saw what people were doing to his image and to the, this version that people have fabricated about him. So uh, because he would certainly want Christmas to be all about Christ and the Savior and the incarnation. So that's what we're pretty much going to tell our kids. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as it's, it's interesting because that was like, that was the second recording that we did because I couldn't get him to talk into the microphone. <laughs> but, um, you know, as it gets older, we're going to learn, you know, more and more about this stuff. Um, you know, I am trying to get him to memorize some of the, uh, the catechism. And um, I'm going to be going through the, the Westminster Confession of Faith with him. And uh, we have a memorizing Bible verses. And, you know, so these conversations are taking place. And what I really wanted to show 
was that you can be honest with your kid and your kid is going to still love Christmas. He's still going to uh, have fun. I mean, I think it was like right after Thanksgiving, I had to go down and buy a Christmas tree because uh, Liam and Luke, my my middle kid, they just could not wait for us to go get a Christmas tree. And so I tell him, you know, that we put up lights and uh, that's to reflect uh, the truth about Christ, that he is the light of the world. And so that's what that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we send out our Christmas, uh, pic- we send out the pictures with Santa to family members and he he and Luke both know he's not real. He's pretend it's a character. And um, and I mean, as, as you heard in the in the uh, interview but you know Carlos that brings me up to this uh, this other video I wanted to know did you by any chance happen to see this video of this uh, he the the guy is a pastor and he went into the mall and started confronting the families that were there to see Santa and you know I was thinking about it what would I do if I was in the mall and we were about to take our picture with Santa and I saw this guy come up because some of the things that he says I think are, are good about Christ. And I'm just wondering, you know, if this is the best approach. I know everybody has their opinions on this. So I'm not really looking into getting into a, a skirmish here or any controversy. But I just want to bring it up to talk about it and hear what you have to say about this. Let me go ahead and play this, Carlos. It's Pastor Dave Grisham here for Last Frontier Evangelism, and uh, today we're at the mall in Amarillo, Texas, and we're going to tell the children here today the truth that there is no Santa Claus and that it's Christmas is about Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins, and Jesus was born in a manger 2016 years ago. All right, so what he's saying is, I think, I think what he's saying about Jesus is is good. I think it's it's uh, he, he's right. Um, let me just go ahead and set up the scene for those who aren't uh, able to. I mean, obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see it. But there is a long line of family members. Um, it looks to me like maybe about a dozen family members standing in line. He's recording himself. What looks to be on his phone. And uh, and he's about to go uh, confront the families. So here we go. We're going to tell them the truth. Folks, my name is Pastor David. Kids, I wanted to tell you today that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Santa Claus does not exist. The Christmas season is about Jesus. Jesus was born 2016 years ago. He was born in a manger in a small town called Bethlehem. And that's the truth about Christmas. The man you're going to see today is just a man in a suit dressed up like Santa, but Santa does not exist. This, uh, this reminds me of the, uh, that movie Elf. Have you seen that movie Elf? Long time ago. Where, uh, where uh, Will Ferrell's character tells uh, the Santa in the mall, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> this this reminds me of that, yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you know what? Um, so he, he's getting some dirty looks. It looks like, um, but it looks like most of the people are are trying to ignore him at this point, and he's gonna keep going. 
Santa's not real. And parents, y'all need to stop lying to your children and telling them that Santa Claus is real when in fact he's not. When you substitute the lie of Santa Claus in the heart of your child for the truth of Jesus Christ, you are bearing false witness against God. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Uh, somebody just told him to shut up, by the way. Don't lie to your children and tell them there's such a thing as Santa when you know in reality that there are no flying reindeer, there is no workshop at the North Pole, there is no elves making toys, that you buy all the gifts and put them under the tree. That's all the truth. And there is no real Santa Claus. There is no Santa. It is not your place to lie to your children. Tell them the truth about Jesus Christ. Tell them the truth about... All right, so at this point, uh, other people are actually coming up to him and approaching him and uh, confronting him in order to make him stop. What Christmas is all about. That it's about Jesus... And it's not about Santa Stop. Claus. It's, it's there is no Santa Claus. There is no Santa Claus. It's about Jesus. Tell them the truth. Go. Yes, we do tell them the truth. Go on. Sir, don't put your hands on Go on. Quit put talking to me. You understand me? Put, keep now your stops. hands to yourself. I got my kids over there. We don't need you coming over here blabbing whatever the hell you blabbing. I'm telling so them the on. truth. That there go. is no Santa Claus. Now, go. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You need to keep your hands to yourself, sir. And don't put your hands on people. That's and don't come over here talking your mess. And don't come over here and tell your children the truth. That there is no Santa Claus. That's not your decision for me to tell my kids what's the truth and what's not. The truth is there is no Santa Claus. Okay. That's, there is no Santa. And it's Christmas is about Jesus. But, so the parents are all right. The parents are all right with lying to their kids. Yeah. Not your decision to make. That's a sin. It's a sin in the eyes well, which, of God. Which kids, there is no Santa. There Santa's is not real. Your there parents are lying to you. Don't believe it. There is a Santa. Y'all have a nice day. Uh, All right. So that was the video. My my thought is maybe there's a better way to you know talk about this. Um, I don't necessarily think that going into the mall and uh, and doing this is is the best way to do this because I really think that. The goal, this is this is how I would approach this. I really think that the goal for me would be to talk to the parents and try to get the parents to um, lead their kids in the truth, um, not just you know shouting the truth to the kids and putting uh, putting everybody in a in a situation like this. I think that it's the parents' responsibility to lead the kids, and uh, you know I, I have friends who. They, you know, they do the whole Santa thing. Their kids believe in Santa, and my my response would would basically be to to try to talk to the parents. And you know, if they disagree, then okay, they disagree. Uh, um, Carlos, what are what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I don't think you should be re talking to the kids like that because then you just make Mama Bear come out and Papa Bear come out. So you're really just provoking people, and it's not exactly opening the door for a good gospel conversation. Yeah. Well, so we we talked a little bit about this guy going out and preaching uh, in the public. And that's a good segue to our next topic. We have with us 
Ryan Denton and wanted to give him an opportunity to say hello. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me on. It's a, uh, it's a blessing to be here and to, to be part of this program. I've heard you guys in the past and uh, have been blessed by it, so I'm uh, honored to be here. Well, Ryan, the honor and the privilege are ours. We've been trying to set this up for, oh gosh, it seems like months now. And uh, you you are a street preacher. And one of the reasons it's been difficult for us to set this up and uh, get this going is, is because you travel so much. So Ryan, give us an insight into your ministry, into uh, you, who are you, uh, Maybe uh, tell us a little bit about your testimony, and um, and then we'll uh, we'll get to talking. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, the Lord saved me ten years ago. Uh, I guess that was eleven years ago now, and uh, almost right away I knew I just had a real burden to uh, proclaim the gospel, to preach the gospel. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home or anything like that, so I didn't really understand how to even go about it and uh and so it was a bit of a longer process before i actually started to preach but uh, right away i had a a, a burden to, to share the gospel and to preach the gospel as far as um proclaiming it to friends things like that but i did you know one of the things that always stuck with me was uh i, I went to school at unm in albuquerque and the very first day of class, when I went to Albuquerque, I saw a guy who was preaching the gospel in the open air on the campus. And, and you know, he, he probably had about 50, 60 students in front of him. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a shock and awe guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a uh, Pelagian. I mean, he was just faithfully preaching the gospel. All he had was a Bible in his hand. And he was just preaching. And, you know, right when I saw him, there, there was something in me that clinched. And just, I, I knew I had to do it. Uh, you know, I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't ready for it at the time. It would take me another from then, I guess, about six years before I actually did it myself. But uh, so that was that was kind of the journey from there to actually doing it uh, in between there. Uh, I, I, I wanted to be a philosophy professor in secular academics and try to sneak in Christianity to the students and, you know, just kind of, you know, just subtly talk about the, the gospel or maybe you know, assign some Christians to the class, things like that. And, you know, it got to the point. Uh, so I, I actually, so I, I, let's see, I got a bachelor's in philosophy. And then I went, I got a master's degree in philosophy and I was wanting to get a PhD in philosophy, but I just could not stand the, really the insanity of secular academia. And so I had that on the one hand, I just could not, I mean, it really is a, a joke in a lot of ways, secular academics today. But on the other hand, there was uh, still always that that great desire just to kind of throw away all of the all of the uh, the subtlety and just go out and preach. And so, you know, by the grace of God, eventually I did that. That was uh, about five years ago, I guess. And and really, I've been doing it ever since. That's that is my main ministry. My my uh, I would say my primary burden right now is for the college campus. I do believe that is one of the one of the greatest mission fields probably in the world, considering the darkness there and uh, the strongholds that that have really um, ensnared our campuses in this country. And so and it's also an opportunity. It's, it's a place where you can go and you can actually preach. Uh, there are 
various hindrances these days as far as what campus will allow you to do things, what, which campuses won't. But for the most part, you're still in, you know, for the most part, you're able to go on, you're able to preach, you're able to share the gospel. And, and today we're living obviously in a, in a culture, in a context when I would say 95% of the students have not heard a biblical gospel presentation. And so for all those reasons, I just, I, you know, I just have a real burden for it. And uh, we, we preach, I preach in the open air uh, in other places downtown, sometimes at the abortion clinic uh, here in El Paso and elsewhere, um, downtowns and really any city here in El Paso. And also uh, we'll be going to Jamaica in January and, and sporting events. We go to sports events. We go to the Super Bowl, things like that. So uh, really just wherever there's a large gathering of people. Uh, we like to bring the gospel there. We, we share the gospel. We call men and women to repent, to believe in Christ. And uh, now going into the mall, I've actually thought about going into a mall and preaching the gospel before, but uh, I, you know, I agree with you guys. There, there is a sense in which I think we can be obnoxious when we preach the gospel and that's, that's mm-hmm. what we want to avoid. And so obviously in that context, it, it's uh, it's definitely out of place, and um, but for the most part, if you have a large gathering of people, then I have no problem sharing the gospel. Um, but in that context, yeah, I would. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and play a clip of uh, Ryan preaching at uh, Texas Tech. So let's go ahead and play this. The wrath of God fell upon the sun. You know, I love coming to campuses because I you know I assume that for the most part, y'all understand the concept of justice. You know, if you commit a crime against somebody, you commit a crime against society, you stand before a judge. Well, if the judge is a good judge, he's going to say, listen, you committed a crime, you're guilty. Well, that's how God is. So you can't bribe the God of the Bible. You can't bribe the God of reality. That's why the God of, of Islam doesn't exist. They, they think you can bribe that God with good works. See, that's why the, the, the God of Roman Catholicism doesn't exist. They think you can bribe that God with good works. But the God of the Bible is just, meaning you can't bribe this God. There's nothing you can bring to this God in order to have your sins paid for or forgiven. The only hope that we have is if God himself does something for us, that's what Christ did on the cross. That Christ satisfies the justice of God. Christ took on the curse that should have been ours. Christ was the one, the Bible says, was crushed. He was bruised for our transgressions. Remember that, Isaiah 53? Yeah. It pleased God to crush him. Putting him in Greek. God, Christ on the cross cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? You know why that was? Why would God, you know, the only one who has ever lived a perfect life, the only one who has ever lived and moved and breathed and, and did everything for the glory of God, and here he is on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever wonder why that was? All right, so that was a little clip of Ryan preaching at Texas Tech, and that actually went pretty well. Um, he's he's actually on a stool, um, and Ryan, you look like you're a pretty tall guy anyway, so... Um, but he's on a stool. He's holding a sign that says evolution is a lie. There's, uh, there's a couple of people standing in front of Ryan actually listening, and it looks like they're engaging their minds with what he's actually saying. Uh, somebody quoted a passage of scripture, uh, so obviously they are familiar with Christianity to some extent. And then there's a, it looks like there's maybe a, a lady standing behind him and uh, someone off to the side. So that actually went pretty well. 
so let me let me get this straight. You've been doing this for about five years, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, and I've noticed. Okay, so so you have these videos of of different colleges and and different cities. First of all, let me ask you: Are you affiliated with a a ministry, or is this just you going out there and doing this on your own? Yeah, so I have a ministry. It's called Christ in the Wild Ministries, and I, I actually started the ministry when I was I was pastoring a church on the Navajo reservation in New Mexico. And uh, again, I just you know I just felt like the Lord was really calling me to um, gospel work outside the church and just explicitly preaching the gospel to to those outside of church walls for the sake of bringing them into the church. And and that is something very important to me. Uh, and all the guys that I, I preach with, we uh, we believe in the local church, and we want our our ministries to be connected to the local church in the sense that we want we want people to be uh, feeding into the local church when the Lord saves them, you know, if that's His will. So uh, we 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 are connected to the church. Um, you know, I, I try to keep myself accountable to the the elders at Old Paths and and um, also some of the believers there and. And uh, and other guys as well, but you know at the same time it is the ministry call is called Christ in the Wild, and and uh, and so we the ministry has been there for about almost three years now, but I've been preaching without that you know just just on my own for five years. Okay, so and just to, go for it, Carlos. Just to, yeah, I was just gonna add a little bit to that. So we're all the three of us. We're in El Paso. But Ryan and I, we go to the same church, the Old Paths Christian Church. And it has been a huge, tremendous blessing to have Ryan join us. It's been awesome having him on. He has, uh, he's a real deal. So we encourage you guys to check out his website. It's uh, ChristInTheWild.com. Yeah, so, and we'll put up all the links to the videos and stuff that we play on the notes. But um it's been awesome having him on. He has a real spirit of brotherly love, very generous brother, uh, very, very kind, and a, a very big spirit of evangelism. And he, the, he's, he's constantly, you know, going somewhere. You know, typically he goes to UTEP, the UTEP campus here locally on a daily basis. But um, it, it's really encouraged the church to come alongside him and for some of the the other men to join him and uh, to do ministry alongside him, so it's it's been a tremendous uh, blessing and a privilege to have him join us. Yeah, and what I was going to ask you, Ryan, is I, I know that you go to Old Paths Church here in El Paso, and I think that that's a really great church. So if you ever visit El Paso, uh, I would recommend either Horizon or uh, Old Paths because uh, those are the two churches that I really appreciate. But, um, you know, I think it's important, Ryan, that we we look at the Billy Graham crusades, right? And uh, thousands of people would flood the stage when he would do an altar call. And um, it seems to me that a lot of those people maybe had a one-time experience because, um, I, I mean, it just didn't seem to last. And years later, I learned that Billy Graham would actually uh, partner with local churches uh, in order to 
bring about the crusades. So they would go to a city and local churches would get involved. And then at your church, you would invite, you know, people that you know, and you would take them and, uh, and listen to Billy Graham. And, um, one of the things that I found out was that, uh, some of the churches that he would uh, that that would help him uh, sometimes were Roman Catholic churches, and I had a huge problem with that because I'm thinking, you know, you can't just preach the gospel to somebody and then say, well, you know, all right, go find a church, and you know, Mormons will profess to be Christians. You know, Roman Catholicism claims it's Christian and it's not. And so, when you go to these cities, I'm just curious: do you uh, do you concern yourself with? <laughs> hey, listen, if you want to go to a church, here's a good church to go to. I know here in El Paso you do, but I'm, I'm wondering: do you also get the opportunity to maybe attend some of the churches, like of uh, in in other cities that you might find yourself in? Yeah. We, uh, we definitely, depending on what city we're in, you know, usually it is the case when, uh, where one of the guys or maybe all of us will have contacts, contacts in that area. And so we'll reach out to them, contacts as far as pastors go or, or other people going to certain churches. So we definitely, uh, we reach out to them. We have contact information for churches. Uh, we, we, we definitely uh, try to steer those who are, are seeking the Lord or are looking for a church, we definitely try to steer them into specific directions. And, uh, and again, it's, it's, it does kind of depend on where we are, where we're ministering. Uh, for instance, last, let's see, I guess it was about three weeks ago, we were in Missouri. We're doing a, uh, a preaching tour across the state of Missouri, and we were working with five different pastors from uh, let's see. So we started in St. Louis and we ended up on the outside of, of Kansas City on the other side of Missouri. And so throughout the throughout the whole preaching tour, we were working with pastors. We were working with their churches. And so that's ideal. That's what we want. Um, you know, now that's not always the case, but that is that is ideal. And when it's not the case, we definitely have contacts for churches and we we uh, we do try to steer uh, students if we're on campuses into that direction. And, um, and, and really, I mean, it's important to us. Now we also, I would say this though, too, it's, you know, I, I have not, unfortunately, I have not seen a lot of, um, as far as students saying, okay, I'm looking for a church and then you give them information about it. And then they turn around and start attending the church. I, that happens, but it's, it's, I think there's, I'm noticing at UTEP, for instance, there, there's there's a lot of groundwork that that needs to be done uh, in most scenarios with with uh, the students, especially there. You know, I I have a hard time trying to direct every lost person into the church. And so I think for for the lost, I mean, our our, our main our main uh, objective, I guess, if you want to put it that way, when we go out and preach is first and foremost to just really exalt Jesus Christ to get Jesus Christ into the ears of anyone there, whether it's students or whether it's, you know, guys going into a basketball game, whatever it is, just to, just to lift up Jesus Christ and to trust that, that Christ sheep, they, they do hear his voice. And um, not to say that we just drop them off, but in the sense of saying our main objective is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ 
And then when we get to that situation where we're dealing with the students or whoever it is, and it's more of in a uh, in a personal situation, and that ha- it happens all the time. You know, we're we're talking. Here's the thing. I think most people assume that, you know, when you hear the word street preacher, there's a stigma attached to it. And the stigma is, you know, usually a guy with a bullhorn that's out there screaming at everybody and then he packs up and goes home. And 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 really, that's at least the guys I preach with and myself, that's just not the case. Our, you know, we want to go and preach Christ, but there's also work going on behind the scenes as far as one on work, one work, as far as uh, gospel tracks going out, as far as just really just where I mean, I, I was shocked, you know, the the pastoral kind of ministry that takes place on these campuses is unbelievable. And so a lot of it's preaching, but a lot of it's pastoral in the sense that that students are coming to you and they do have their specific area or situation that they're they're really wrestling with. And you can minister to them in that in that context. Uh, So really, it's not just going out and preaching necessarily. Now, that is our objective, but there are so many things that happen out there. And really, you can't really predict it. You just you know, God takes over. God's so gracious. But uh, at the end of the day, our objective is to get Christ into their ears and just kind of see what the Lord does from there. Yeah, that's good. And you mentioned UTEP. UTEP is uh, here in El Paso, Texas. And uh, let me go ahead and play a video, a clip from you preaching at Texas. It's called PhD Students Lose Their Minds Over the Cross. And yeah, they, they really did. I'm not going to play this video uh, for too long because, I mean, it's it's difficult to hear. But I just want people to get a sense of some of the resistance that you encounter sometimes when you're out there. And then I want to ask you about that resistance. So let me go ahead and play this. Okay, so let me go ahead and describe what is going on. There is a lady off to the side. It looks like she's to the left of the preacher, and she is reading what I think is a Dr. Seuss book. Now, Ryan, this is not you preaching, and I want to talk about this in a little bit, because, uh, but you are here, uh, because it, I think that you had some resistance at, at our campus. Uh, so I want to ask you about that in a little bit. But there is a lot of... There's there's a lot of people standing around. Um, it looks like they might be trying to listen. I, I don't know if they're trying to listen in order to oppose the preaching, but there's also people just shouting and making a lot of noise. As as you know, obviously you could tell. Hold on. This is what happens when the gospel is preached. So if we think that the foolishness of the cross only happened in the days of Paul, we're wrong. We're seeing a campus of UTEP in El Paso, Texas, stirred up and agitated by the preaching of the cross to the extent that the leading doctor says. Of course, love it. 
hate God. God has had mercy on several here. It's a sad thing, though. We received a dual reading, a duet of Dr. Seuss being read here. We see in the book of Acts, though, all the things that happened to Paul to great encouragement for all. Okay, that's insane. I am embarrassed for El Paso, Texas, because that people should not be that intellectually dull to not engage in the content of the message of Christianity. I, I mean, when you go to a place of academia and these people are so hostile that they can't even listen to the preaching of the cross and try to refute it with an argument, but they just want to shout over it. That is, that is pathetic. That really is. And now I'm embarrassed for uh, UTEP. UTEP, you should be, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, you know, th this is, this is insanity there. I, I didn't realize this at first, but there, there was two people reading uh one of them was dr seuss and then the other one was reading some other book and they're trying to drown out the preacher uh th this other individual who's preaching and ryan you're you're there with them and then there was some lady that was trying to block you from filming and uh and then you started to give some commentary so i want to give you an opportunity to give us that commentary without all the shouting um you know you were mentioning that this is this is what happens when uh, you stir people up uh, who hate the cross and who think that the, the message of the cross is foolishness. And as we see that, you know, Christianity is, is true. It, it says that the message of the, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And that's exactly what we see being lived out. So, Ryan, can you explain to us a little bit uh, more about what was going on there? Yeah, uh, so it started out. I guess about two weeks ago with this particular group. And, and one thing real quick about UTEP, this is, you know, what, what we see on that video is actually relatively mild compared to some of the stuff that happens at UTEP. Um, there's, you know, other videos on the uh, Christ in the Wild Ministries YouTube page. But, you know, really, I mean, and, and it's not just UTEP. This is happening all across the country. I don't, I mean, it seems like every campus we go to, something just kind of insanity, like you mentioned, it, it really does just kind of break out. It's uh, always grieved me, myself, that these are supposed to be, you know, institutions of higher learning. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it really does seem um, that college, I don't, I don't know, state, state or uh, government academics, academics, it, it just, it's. It is. It's sad. It really is. Down um, the tube. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it really oh, is. Yeah, and we see it, you know, and now, and the thing is too, I do want to mention, I think this is a good way to kind of bring this in. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I have a theory, I think, or, or two, but what we're seeing more than anything else on college campuses, because it's one thing when, when these, uh, so these students are in the graduate department, uh, the history department at UTEP, and they're TAs, most of them are TAs in that department. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm not surprised necessarily. I think, I don't know who said it, but they said, never be surprised when uh, the world acts like the world or something like that. And that's, that's really in a sense how I see these guys. I'm, you know, 
whenever sinners act like sinners or the natural men and women act like natural men and women, it's, it is, it's grievous. But at the same time, you, we can't expect any, anything different. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Now what does surprise, I think anybody who goes out and, and, uh, and preaches the gospel. And, and this is the real tragedy to me is without a doubt, our number one nemesis, regardless of where we are, is the professing Christians. Really? Okay. You're good. Yeah. You're going to have to explain that. That's, that is obviously. So what you have are, you have a distinction between, okay, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, it's hard for me to be patient with the professing Christians. And it's, it, and in this sense, it is my fault. And I, I do pray about it and I'm, I'm working through it, but it's harder for me to be patient with the professing Christian that comes up and they basically say, well, you know, we're seeing all of the opposition that what you're doing is causing. Therefore, it must not be working or therefore it must not be biblical or therefore it must not be the right way. And so they're looking at the opposition of the of the natural man coming against the gospel. And they're concluding that we need to try something else. And now we, we try to help the Christian to walk through the gospels, to walk through the Bible. And, and that's kind of what I was doing in that video is kind of reading through the the episodes that uh, Paul went through in Acts, you know, and you, you never really see Paul ever having a season of peace or, or quiet. You know, every everywhere he's going, he's preaching the gospel and he's 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 uh, facing opposition in doing so. And it's the same thing today. Now, you know, again, I, I have my theories on it, but but I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying every single day, at least one professing Christian comes up and tells us that what we're doing is wrong. And. I, I think it's I think it's a combination of of um, Arminian theology, if I can say that, <laughs> and uh, and also uh, a very uh, politically correct, a very spineless culture. And so I think the combination of these two things, but specifically Arminian theology, I find that uh, one of the one of the arguments that I hear more than any other argument is they say you're you're pushing people farther away. Right. They're not saved and it's your fault. Yeah, exa- right. That's what they're saying. So, again, you know, men and I always bring it up, you know, when the when Ephesians 2 says and, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then in First uh, Corinthians, it says the natural man does not understand the things of the spirit of God, nor can he for their foolishness to him. Um, I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but but in other words, you're seeing these things. And so the question is, well, well. You can't push somebody farther away from Christ than they already are. The Bible says they're they're hostile in mind. They're enmity with God. And so all of this biblical language that you see, um, you, you just when you're when you're dealing with somebody who's lost, they they really are at war with God. They they truly do hate God in their mind. Now, you can't really push somebody farther away than than that. And, and so, again, I think it's our, I, I do think it's Arminian theology, the idea that that you have to kind of coax men into accepting or making a decision for Christ. You kind of have to water. And, and really, they wouldn't say this, obviously, and I don't want to build a straw man. But really what it comes down to is you have to you have to water down the gospel so much. You have to take the offense away from the cross to the extent that natural man will see it as attractive. Rather than trusting in the power of God and the spirit of God to save people, as he says, as the Bible says in Romans 1.16, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that we preach. It's not, 
you know, that's our, that's, that's how people are saved through preaching the gospel. Faith comes by hearing the Bible says, hearing by the word of God or Christ. How will they hear without a preacher? I mean, therefore we got to go and get the gospel into their ears and, and, most campus ministries, and I'll tell you this, Tim, and then I'll turn it back over to you, but um, from day one at UTEP, um, some of the campus ministries, the students in the campus ministries were coming up to me and saying, you know, the the director of so-and-so ministry does not like you. And and I heard this from more than one ministry, but one in particular, and I thought, well, you know, that's straight. We're just preaching the gospel. And um and over time, I've had conversations with uh, some of the directors of these ministries, and they do say the same thing. They say, you know, we're, we're afraid that you're pushing people away. We're afraid that, you know, if somebody's uh, or, if, or if somebody's being drawn to Christ, then they hear you preaching, then they're they're going to they're going to be moved farther away from Christ, you know, things like that. And, and it's 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 almost universal as far as uh, the excuses for why. Uh, what we're doing is wrong. And well, let me say this one thing real, real quick, Tim, is what we're doing, though, comes from a long tradition of men starting in the Bible, starting with, I would say, Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, going through, you know, the prophets in the Old Testament, going into John the Baptist. Even Jesus Christ was an open air preacher. Um, and obviously, Paul, the apostle, was an open air preacher. And even through church history, you have countless episodes of people preaching the gospel in the open air. And there's really nothing fancy about it. You're just getting the gospel of Christ to people who are not going to darken the door of a church. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting that you that you said all that, because I think you brought up a really, really important thing to point out is that uh, we should never evaluate whether somebody's doing something good or right based off of the reactions of others. Main example, Christ preached and they hated it so much that they they cried crucify him and you're exactly right. Paul incited the crowds uh, when he preached. Stephen, was it Stephen who was the first martyr who was stoned in Acts 4? He he was preaching, and he got them so ticked off that they stoned him to death right there and then. So don't tell me, if you're a Christian, don't tell me that what Ryan is doing is wrong. And it's pitiful that preachers or that ministry leaders are scared to upset the civility of what is going on and it's almost like they don't want to upset oh can you hold on okay let me uh i'm gonna go ahead and move to the garage okay yeah yeah go ahead because i'm being a little bit loud So let me, I think the best way to do this would probably be, okay. I think that, you know, when, when we look at what you're doing, it really, it's very disappointing for me to hear that ministry leaders at UTEP are not supporting you and actually... 
I don't know if I would say upset, but they're, they're not liking what you're doing. You know, it's just, it's really sad. So Carlos, I think uh, you were going to share some things, right? Yeah, there was a couple things that I wanted to uh, kind of jump in here on. So the, one of the first things is that uh, part of the reason why Ryan has a hard time finding churches to support him is because there's many churches out there that don't actually support open air preaching. And it's part of that opposition that that he encounters on a, a regular basis. And that's why it's, it's disappointing that there's so many churches out there that don't have a biblical uh, understanding of, of evangelism. They tend to contextualize, over-contextualize, seeker-friendly, seeker-sensitive, uh, just very unbiblical forms of evangelism. And so Ryan is not out there to make uh, enemies or to provoke anybody just to provoke. He's just simply trying to be faithful to the word. And people often uh, take him out of context and don't understand what he's doing. And so they assume that he's just being hostile or a jerk or whatever. But that's really not the case. And and uh, what one of the things is, and this is, you know, this is just a little aside for people who, we, we definitely at our church, the Old Paths, obviously we encourage open air ministry. We have Ryan at our church and we've had several uh, open air preachers, you know, come our way. We've had, you know, Brother Seth Caps, who I think he's with uh, uh, Burning Hearts Missionary Society, uh, Brother Scott Smith. I mean, Ryan knows everybody, so he's got, he's got the hookup with everybody. So we've we've met a lot of these uh, fellow open air evangelists. Larry there. Bois. Yeah, Larry Du Bois, Lawrence Du Bois. Uh, he came recently. We actually, we uh, the three of us did a ministry at UTEP not too long ago. And so um, that's the disappointing aspect of this is that uh, there's a very unbiblical, and, and like Ryan said, it ties it to an unbiblical, an Arminianism that really hinders uh, from you having a biblical uh, evangelism. And the second thing I was going to, and it's, this is tied to what you were saying as well, Tim, because the big problem with these Christians who oppose what uh, Ryan, I, there is a Facebook post by this uh, professing Christian, this girl uh, who goes to UTIP, I guess. She basically blasted Ryan, put a bunch of videos up of people shouting at him. They didn't, he did, she didn't even post any p uh, videos of Ryan preaching, just posted a bunch of like virulent students who were disagreeing with him, who didn't like him and who were railing against him. And so the it's just insanity. And this is coming from so-called professing Christians. And it's funny because the opposition that that he's creating, it's the message that's creating the offense. It's not Ryan himself per se. Um, obviously, you know, we're all men and we we falter and we fail. And Ryan is the first to admit that he can get a little bit provoked sometimes, especially by professing Christians. But that by and large, it's the it's the message that causes the offense. And I've seen that personally. Um, I've done ministry with Ryan on, on a number of occasions, and he's not the kind of person that people will paint him out to be. So um, the funny thing is, is that the, apparently these people have not read the Bible, all the parts that, aside from the parts that you mentioned, Tim, like how the apostles were virtually all stoned, persecuted, imprisoned, and martyred to death or exiled for preaching the gospel in the open. Um, it's just sad that people aren't aware of that or they don't seem to be connecting the dots there like they should. And that's it's funny because if you're not suffering persecution for the message of the gospel, there's something wrong with your Christianity. Because the Bible says those who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. 
there it's a guarantee it's a guarantee if you're a believer you, you, if you're not suffering persecution and and, and not, it doesn't necessarily have to be to the extent that Ryan does because obviously he's a full-time evangelist but there's something wrong with your Christianity if you think that opposition is a bad thing or that it shouldn't be happening uh, because of the message that you're preaching preaching even though the Bible calls it an offense and so the third thing that I was going to mention is that um, you know a lot of these people who oppose Ryan like these these ministry directors they've never even seen him preach personally and they haven't even met him and so that's what always uh, gets me is that these people are just lobbing grenades from their little you know from their little headquarters uh, ministry headquarters and it's like you know if you if you actually just met the guy you would realize he's nothing like he's nothing like the 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 the, the, the way people paint him out to be and it was funny because when we were at UTEP, I was walking across the street to 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 where Ryan was, and I heard a couple of guys talking about Ryan, saying that yeah, hey, look, it's that a hole, it's that jerk that, you know, he's always preaching, and uh, he's he's a jerk and all this stuff, and it's like, um, and then they said they were confused because they weren't sure if he was a Mormon or or what, and I told them like no no he's he's not a Mormon he's a Christian and and it's and it's just funny because. The sad thing is that postmodernism has invaded the culture and especially academia so badly that because people uh, 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 disagree with you, they, and we've talked about this before a little bit on the LGBT agenda, and because all of this ties together, and how simply disagreeing with somebody and having the, the boldness and the courage to tell them that they're wrong and that their error is leading them into hell um, is is unacceptable to people. That's that's makes you a jerk. That makes you an a hole. That I mean, it's even Christians, even professing Christians, saying you're pushing people away, and it's just it's sad. It's really it's a, it's it's the mark. It's a it's a symptom of a of a much deeper problem in our culture, and um, but by the grace of God, there has been much fruit. Uh, through Ryan's ministry, and um, it it's it's not always it's not always as ravenous as as you know those videos, even though there's obviously a lot of that. But yeah, I'm just I want to again when because I know and there's there's even been articles written against Ryan on on the uh, the local you know university paper. I mean, there's it's just ridiculous how if people just simply took the time to actually listen and talk to the guy. Uh, they would come out with a completely different impression in the first place. So, yeah, and, and Tim, real quick, we uh, we have seen a lot of good things happen at UTEP. I mean, it's not, you know, there's 26,000 students at UTEP, and the Lord has the 7,000 there. Also, we we definitely, um, I you know, it's kind of neat. Now, when I first went out to UTEP, it was it was so quiet out there. When I first started preaching, it was it was a very apathetic campus and uh, today I just finished the second semester now. So it's been a year that I've been out there more or less every week. And, you know, now it's, it's, it's great when I go out there, um, there, <laughs> there's always students actually waiting on, uh, on what we're going to be preaching on that day. And so they'll be sitting there, they'll be waiting around. They come out there, they'll eat their lunch in front of us so we can preach and they can listen uh, we're, we're meeting a lot of people as far I get emails all the time. I try to make my, my email address accessible to students. And so I get emails. Um, I'm currently meeting with, uh, let's see, three guys. And this is just kind of one-on-one stuff And it, but it's all, it's, it's all part of, uh, just open air preaching. And so it's, you know, 
by and large, yeah, it is, it is, uh, it's very, it's a travesty, um, to see some of the things out there, but, but there are also a lot of good things happening and, and we are seeing that the, the, uh, the Lord's been very gracious to us and to, to some of those students out there. So it's not all bad. And also I was going to say real quick, you know, uh, and this kind of goes in with, uh, what both of y'all are saying as far as, you know, what you see with your eyes, as far as the fruit and, and, and see, so here's the thing. I have a real problem saying, well, and I, and I wasn't doing it, but I have a problem when people are like, for instance, one of the things we always hear um, is what kind of fruit are you seeing? Now, that's a valid question in a sense. But if you're trying to justify ministry based on the things that you see, well, as you mentioned, Tim, we could look at somebody like Billy Graham and you have or, or like Joel Osteen. Now, from the thing from from man's perspective, you're looking mm-hmm. at that and you're saying, man, he's got 30,000 people in the church, you know, or Billy Graham. He's got you know, 70% of the house, they're flooding the aisles after every sermon. If you're looking at things through the, through, uh, through the natural man's lenses, you're going to be deceived. You always will be. And I think, and I, (laughs) one thing I've been kind of thinking of, and I've I've been talking to uh, some other people about it, but um, I think, I think somebody needs to write, write a book called, even if none, you know, how everybody's like, well, even if one gets saved or even, but, uh, you know, I really am kind of looking into maybe pinning something to paper as far as, well, even if none gets saved, you know, when Noah was preaching, Noah, Noah got saved. No one, no one Amen. was saved in his ministry. Um, Isaiah was told before he even started preaching, you know, he said, well, how long, O Lord? And the Lord said, well, until the cities are devastated, you know, you're not going to see any fruit. You're not going to see, you know, Jeremiah, he didn't see any fruit. And so in a sense, you could even say, well, I mean, from we can't judge things by appearances. Now, obviously, we all love when people are saved, and and that is part of it. But again, our motivation for going to preach the gospel is not that people are saved. The definition of evangelism is not about saving anybody. It's about sharing the gospel with others, and the rest is up to God. Mm-hmm. Evangelism is sharing Christ, and uh, and so. You know, I think a lot of times people put um, the main agenda being saving people, but that's that'll I don't I don't think that's biblical. I think it's lifting up Christ, getting Christ into the ears of the lost, and God will do whatever He wants to do with that with the gospel message. Well, I think you said some really good things, and uh, you know, I, I see two things that you mentioned uh, that you guys uh, just talked about that. Uh, really, I think if if people are out there and they're wanting to be faithful to the gospel and proclaiming the gospel and going out and sh- either sharing it with their friends or family or going out and doing what uh, Ryan does, there's two things that I think that can uh, that can discourage people. Uh, the first one is um, is really with with the negative response, and it's really unfortunate that. A lot of professing Christians, like we were talking about, you know, do uh, respond negatively to the hostility, and they they oftentimes go after the the guy that they shouldn't go after. And I'm very grateful for you you acknowledging that you, you made the reference to Elijah in uh, in uh, I think it's First uh, Kings, um, I know it's beginning in chapters 16, verse 29, uh, when Elijah begins to confront Ahab. And um, 
Jezebel, uh, well, King Ahab is is exceedingly wicked, and he's he's worse than all the others. And uh, he marries Jezebel, who is the daughter of Eth Baal, and they bring in the worship of Baal into Israel. And Jezebel goes and she wants to murder and kill all of the prophets of God. And Elijah, you know, it's it's uh, to the point where he he's crying out to God and he says, "Only I am left. I'm the only one. I'm the, I, there's nobody else." And God says to him, "I have seven thousand who've not uh, who've not knelt the knee to Baal." Or to Baal, however you want to say it, and I think that we have to we have to recognize that even though all of these things are coming against us, there are Christians out there, and so I'm very grateful to hear about the the three men that you're doing a study with, and the the stories that that you're talking about. But in Matthew chapter five, in the Beatitudes. It says in verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, Ryan, there's your blessing. That's really how we have to look at it is, is when you are being reviled against, and even by professing Christians, um, that is your blessing, and your reward is great in heaven. And the other, the other verse that I want to tackle or, or bring out is Second Timothy four four, um, and uh, this this really uh, gets to the heart of well, are you seeing any fruit? And you, you mentioned, I mean, if we look at Joel Osteen's church and, you know, we could we could go on for days about how successful he is by man's standards. And, you know, it, it can be it can be a challenge for, for faithful men to to answer this question and say, look, um, I'm just going to be faithful. And, uh, you know, in Second Timothy 4, 3, it says, uh for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who to suit their own passions. And we see that a lot of times that the, the people who are out there who seemingly are successful, they have a following, a lot of times they are doing just this. They're tickling people's ears. They're telling people what they want to hear. And it's 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 rotten fruit. And what's really interesting is you look at uh, the, the crowds that came after Jesus, and then Jesus would say something completely radical, and then everybody would leave. So he would say things that would turn off the crowds. And, you know, that's that's what being faithful is all about. So um, I, think, uh, I think that's a pretty good place to close it out. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add to the conversation before we go? Um, no, I'm just very grateful to have Ryan on. There's a lot more <clears throat> that we could have talked about. Hopefully this won't be the, the last time that we have Ryan on. Um, we have a lot of other stuff that we can get to and look forward to discussing. So just uh, incidentally, oh, go ahead. Well, I would like to bring Ryan on to uh, talk about some of the encounters that he's had with other religions. I, I see that he's talked uh, to a Muslim. I know that you guys uh, talked with some black Hebrew Israelites. Um, you know what's really funny is every time I say black Hebrew Israelites, I, I feel like I'm being racist, like I'm stigmatizing them. 
Like, <laughs> so everybody has to know that that's what they call themselves. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, just like uh, those black guys over there. Um, uh, I just think that's funny that they call themselves that. As a matter of fact, I met a black Hebrew Israelite, and that guy was was a racist. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever, whatever is out there that you, that you encounter, uh, I'd like to bring Ryan on to talk about that in the future. I think that'd be pretty great. Um, and Carlos, I, I think I cut you off. I think you're about to say something else. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of really good stuff because we want to, I'd love to have Ryan on to talk about the biblical understanding of evangelism, specifically also open air evangelism give a kind of a, of a justification for it and the defense of it because it is very necessary in our day and age. And um, just incidentally, it also just occurred to me that I'm going to have to correct Brother Ryan on the spot here because he said that Paul never had peace when he was doing ministry. But you're wrong about that, brother. Um, in jail? Yeah. <laughs> the only time he had peace yeah. was when he was... In jail languishing in prison rejoicing because he was very being good. persecuted for preaching the gospel openly so very good i mean there you have it folks uh but stay tuned because there's a lot more coming uh with that so thank um, you guys thanks for having me on it's been a blessing to be here thank, and thank you for supporting open air preaching too i'm sure there's not a lot of uh not a lot of shows out there that actually do that. So, so I, I, we really praise God, not just me, but, but I promise you every person that's preaching in the open air today, um, they rejoice to know that there's actually guys like you who actually support what we do. And, and so we just rejoice. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Amen. Grateful for you, brother. Ryan, it was, it was great having you on, man. And we, we definitely are going to have you back. We look forward to it. I'm always looking to put together some, something to, to put out, but, um, all right, folks, that's going to be it for us today, and we will check you guys next week. God bless.